The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. How many hours of audio podcasts does this make? <laughs> because most of our podcasts, we started off at about half hours. Sure. Then they sure. went to hours. Now they're running like hour and five most of the time. But the key thing is 200 hours and more. Because yeah, this is podcast number 200. Here we are. The second time we're doing an all-question, no car questions, all-question podcast. Welcome and oh my gosh, the questions. <laughs> yeah, you you guys listening have really stepped it up. It's awesome. It's actually, I think uh, people have used this opportunity to ask us things they've been wanting to. I get that sense too, yeah. You yeah. Know, it, the, the floodgates have opened clearly because we've received the most questions I think we ever have mm -hmm. on all three platforms mm -hmm. here. Agreed, agreed. And we've got all kinds of stuff bouncing around. And Todd and I have put, I think, very little prep, if not any preparation into the this. only prep we're just I have going done. for it. absolutely that, that is a key fun. thing that is a key thing we're bound it's to get scary. ourselves in trouble because <laughs> all i did was make a sheet of the questions that were my favorites oh you did okay that, you that's all i did i just well, but i just like it was just copy paste just mass copy paste yeah. of ones it was like i was trying yeah. to get to that one try to get to that one just so i had them in one place but it wasn't even like what's my answer here no it's just there's the question that's kind of interesting <laughs> uh one of the ones i want to cover right up front i don't want to cover the answer but i want to give you a reference okay wyatt wrote to us on facebook and he asked a question others of you might have he said how did we meet what's our backstory how did the show start question. oh yes good great question question good. wyatt we have covered that for an hour if you listen to podcast number 52 it was our one year anniversary it's so it's july uh, a couple of years ago a one-year anniversary mm -hmm. podcast, mm -hmm. number 52. That is a one-hour story of the show podcast. If you want to hear all of the how did we get here backstory, that is the one to listen to. It's all covered there. Right, right. All right, jumping in. Let's start with something benign off uh -oh. of Instagram. Okay. Let's just start kind of in relation to the show. Devil C2 asks, are we Canon or Nikon shooters or both? Mm. Let's mm. just start there. Canon lenses. Canon lenses. Canon L-series lenses. Yeah, yeah. And we were shooting Canon camera bodies for a while, as a mm -hmm. matter of fact, yeah. up until just yeah, yeah. recently when we've gone to Panasonic. Yeah, we've gone to the Lumix, uh, the Lumix line. We want to get the new Lumix Monster, but we have lower-level Lumix right now to get us into 4K. But the Canon L-series glass is killer, so we use that. Yep, agreed. All right, uh, there's so many. We yeah, could, tons. We're going to do our best to weave these together, and I, I think there's similar ones that we could say, you know, definitely from a career standpoint or wherever we worked, mm, questions sure. like that. We could weave some of those together. So I'm going to reach out to our friend Charlie J here in Germany. Okay. Charlie, thanks for writing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, great to hear you. He's asking if we were to pick another non-car-related career, mm -hmm. so in keeping with the non-car-related theme yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Besides our current chosen careers, what would that be? Mm. What would our non-car related career be? Mm. I'm thinking filmmaking and writing and storytelling I, you know what? for you. I think over time what I've come to is I would love to be a novelist, just a straight-up novelist. Really? I love filmmaking, but I'm a storyteller at heart. I mean, I was, I was writing like novella-level things or, you know, link things, like 70-page yeah, things yeah. in junior high. I've been, really? I've been writing my whole that. life. I, I've just, I'm just, I'm a storyteller. I love writing well, I fiction. Far back. So I think if I think if if filmmaking was not me, if if the show was not me, and I could be successful as a straight up novelist, I would absolutely do that. Hmm. 
like a Stephen King kind of. Well, I mean, that's something to aspire to. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He's way up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but but that's the thing. I mean, I I am slowly is the key word picking away at a novel. I'm expecting that to be done. I've said it before on the podcast, which makes it even worse. But I expecting that to be done sooner rather than later. But. Um, but of course, in the midst of everything else, where do I find time to write? And and the and the crazy thing is, when I go a while between writing, I really genuinely miss it. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. not just like, yeah. hey, I, I used to write. No, it's like I'm I I crave it. So it's very very fun for me. So that would be mine. I know it's therapy for you, which is cool. All right, so uh, I'm thinking something related to design. I mean, that's my background in my career, and I spent about four years doing furniture design which I really loved. And this actually ties into a different question. I'm going to find the writer here shortly for us. But uh, I've also been asked about uh, what's my f- most, what's our, our best accomplishment in terms mm. of other jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to find that here for you soon. Anyway, uh, yeah, it has to do with furniture and making things. As a matter of fact, we both currently do hold down other jobs. We're yeah. admitting that. And Autodesk is mine uh, as a subject matter expert for the automotive industry. But I came uh, came from the design world, and Autodesk actually has Pier 9 in San Francisco. And they have an artist-in-residence program to mm-hmm. be able to kind of create whatever. And mm-hmm. I've always been intrigued mm-hmm. by having my own shop and creating furniture and creating products yeah, yeah, yeah. and building stuff. I love that, And in addition to doing design work and you know, furniture related. I, there's just so much creativity in terms of mm-hmm. materials and look, and it's endless. It really is. And you simultaneously have an amazing, of course, eye to look at a piece of design, just a chair or whatever, and be like, look at how this, and you're seeing four things, and I, it's a chair. <laughs> and sure. then, on, but, but the Achilles heel of that is when you have to buy furniture, my lord, you're picky. As a result, but but that's that's the blessing and the curse. Yeah, the the question was from Michael George Newson actually on Facebook, and he said, "Outside of Everyday Driver, what accomplishment are you most proud of?" That was his his big question there. That's it. Uh, I think me was going to Hawaii with my family, and we were staying on Maui, and walked in. We went out to dinner at another hotel, at the Fairmont Hotel. Mm -hmm. Uh, Walked out to the back lawn, and I saw a whole bunch of furniture that I had designed. Mm-hmm. And people lounging in the furniture that I pool. designed. And it was just so gratifying to see. Yeah. So any products that I've designed that have been on the market, whether it's been electric scooters to watches, eyewear, footwear, uh, just seeing the products I've designed and seeing people buy them and interact mm. with them. Mm. Because, you know, if you're if you're not able to sell that thing en masse as a mass production, you're an artist. Fair. Fair. It's more along the lines of would you do a thousand sketches for a dollar each or one painting for a thousand dollars? Sure, you're yeah. A designer or you're an artist. Sure, sure. Interesting. And so just seeing these products out there designed for Kawasaki, a um, lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Seeing those kinds of products out there and especially the furniture and going to hotels and I open up the sliding door to go out onto the balcony and I see. The furniture I did. That's cool. Turning it over and, you know, looking underneath and, okay, so that's how re- they resolve this. Okay, so the people in Indonesia huh. who made this, you know, they wove yeah, the furniture yeah, yeah. or whatever. That's how they did it. Huh. Okay, here it is. Amazing. That is cool. So fun. That is really cool. Uh, okay, so we're talking about careers outside. All right. Uh, I have to go to the New Line era. Yeah. which is fraught with things I'm not proud of or am frustrated <laughs> to have been a part of. I mean, that's the truth of it. I was there for a decade, way 250 plus films. Unbelievable. A lot of them I would not wish on others to watch, and I watched them 50 times. However, in that world, I do have to say that I'm very proud of being involved in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. 
Oh yeah, that's I mean, a that, huge. That huge is something. Thing in fact, I got into a conversation today with. I mean, not today, but this week with a guy who didn't even know that about me, and we got this huge conversation. Come to find out, he's a huge Lord of the Rings fan, and his whole perception of me <laughs> shifted halfway through our conversation because he was like, "Way, way, 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 wait! You worked on those Just films? the inside stuff, you know? Yeah, it's a crazy will stuff. Fascinate people for hours. Well, that was the thing. It actually got me thinking because I told him a couple of stories, and he was just kind of jaw dropped. We were, what we were supposed to be doing was completely forgotten for like a half hour because we were talking Lord of the Rings. But I really should sit down and write down some of the crazy stories and things that I heard in the midst of that because it was so cool. And look, to, to clarify, a couple big things to know about Lord of the Rings. It was pretty much Peter Jackson's world. And by the way, he lives on an island across the globe. So there wasn't a whole lot of like <laughs> micromanaging policing going on by New Line. They pretty much gave him money and let him run, which is kind of insane. There's a lot of details to why that happened. Well, yeah. And as a result, he kind of kept pulling more and more of the pieces to him. And so everybody that worked at New Line at the time would tell you with great pride, I worked on Lord of the Rings. Many of them would be wrong because the only department that operated normally, meaning the same way we would on every other film, was post-production where I was. The no marketing kidding. department was mostly removed. Most people had so many new checks and balances that went through New Zealand and, and Peter Jackson say that their involvement was lessened compared to other films. But post-production, we operated like normal. And okay. we, were, we were the pinch point from a security standpoint, too. I, I don't know. I think I've told, this, told you this before, but we were the pinch point from a security standpoint. I mean, you think about how movies are constantly about big movie we're all trying to see. It got leaked, whatever. Right. The, right. the, the whole corporation freaked out about security. And I still don't really understand the chain of events that led to this reality. But I became literally my desk, my phone was the pinch point where if you wanted to get footage for marketing reference, for product reference, for departments I'd never spoken to were calling me now going, why am I calling you? And I was like, look, I don't know. But that was the assignment. Was <laughs> Unbelievable. If, so that they had one place that footage could go through to then filter out to other departments that normally would have just called production and been like, I need this piece of footage. Not on Lord of the Rings, you don't. So Really? So I ended up being this weird pinch point. Now, the cool thing was I got, in, I got connected to some of the people that actually did product for the company and like the publicity products. And I got some publicity product out of it because when the films were done, they were like, we've got samples. You want a couple? Thanks for helping us, which was cool. Yeah. So I've got a couple really cool, cool things, which, nice which I would have never bought myself, which is fun. Sure. But uh, so that's fun. But I mean, come on. I was, I was eyeball deep in those films for four years and traveled because of those films. Yeah, to, I don't know if a lot of people know. You've described it on some podcasts, but for those who have not listened, you hand-carried the film around the globe. Early on, early on. There was a showreel before the film was first film was out. There was a 15-minute showreel that honestly, as an editor, is one of the best this-is-what-we've-made showreels I've ever seen. It was superbly well done. But this is in early 2000 no actually late 2000 early 2001 first movie okay. came out december of 01 that's how long ago this I was just to blow that, your mind though. yeah exactly it doesn't seem that way no it doesn't it, it, it doesn't. seems still Definitely kind not. of fresh I, I, it's crazy well that's because the hobbits came out more recently well, but true. those that's movies true. which are better than the hobbits are were, were that early so late 2000 early 2001 there was a 15 minute showreel being shown to various territories that had uh that had paid for rights to show the film Okay. But because okay. it was so top secret and because this was such an early piece of film, literally it had to be hand carried everywhere. And so I went to Buenos Aires, yeah, Argentina, and Sao Paulo, Brazil. And other people so in my department cool. went to, you know, all over the globe, but those were the two that I was assigned. And then fast forward to 03, December 03, uh, 
there were, I'm going to get it a little wrong, but I'm going to get close. There were either 13, there were somewhere between 13 and 15 world premieres of Return of the King. They did a world tour. They started in New Zealand. They did New Zealand, Australia, LA, New York, and around the globe. Unbelievable. Taking the stars, taking the filmmakers. And so those of us in post that were involved in theater setup, in addition to all the other things we did in post, but that was one of the things we did. Uh, we were kind of assigned. Here are your two countries to work on the premieres. So I worked the L.A. premiere, which was amazing because, of course, oh, that sure. was our backyard. Sure, yeah. But then I was sent to London and Paris. Those premieres were 48 hours apart. So, I mean, so the whole cool. Lord of the Rings experience, I could go on. I will spare you. But that is for sure the answer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm sure this guy was sort of sitting at your feet going, tell me cool well, inside stuff about this. And there's so many crazy stories. So many. I should start writing them down. I really should. <laughs> All right. What else stuck out to you here? What are the questions you want to jump on to here? Uh, here's a random one. Highest, uh, Brett uh, asked this from Instagram. Um, highest altitude you've hiked or climbed to and where was it? Ooh. Ooh. I think you've got me beat there. Trying to think. Oh, but you grew up in Colorado. You do any 14ers? I did. I never did 14ers there for some reason. Did I you even like drive to Pikes Peak? Uh, you know, I never did. I'd that love amazes to me. go. Well, now we have to go and now shoot we something. Really have to go. Yeah, uh, a lot of tall hikes. I think uh, Yosemite for me has been the longest and tallest. I guess, even though mm -hmm. it's not considered a huge sure, thing. Sure. But a, a climb in and of itself. It's yeah. pretty healthy. I'd say it's up there. Yeah. Um, but not some serious mountaineering. Not really. So anything beyond like Mammoth Mountain? Because Mammoth Mountain is 11,000 feet. I guess not. So we not. skied there all the time. So 11 not, might but, be your you tops. Know, the lift takes you to the it top. It does. So it's but, not but you're up there. Really yeah, exactly. Hard, you didn't but... hike it. Yeah, I did hike Mammoth <laughs> once. Um, my answer is, I think it's 14,400 or 14,410. It's something like that. The highest peak in the lower 48 is 14,448, I think. And that's Mount Whitney, which is central right. California. I have climbed Mount Langley, which is the highest 14er just south of Whitney. And it's over 14, but I forget exactly how high. It's sad, isn't it? But but I did that as a backcountry hike. You uh, Actually, here's here's a connection of dots. Okay. One of the one of the roads we drove for mid-engines and mountains ends at the parking lot that is your start hike from Mount Langley. Oh, that's right. So the parking lot uh, starts at about 10,000 feet, and you hike up to 14. Uh, we camped at like 11.5 and then did the big push one day together. Um, I was not in very good shape at the time. And by 12,000 feet, I was like, why exactly are we doing this? Um, Reevaluating everything exactly. in my life at that but point. But then got to the top to discover uh, two couples, two guys, two girls, who uh, suddenly got very embarrassed because they were at the top of the mountain trying to take the naked mountaintop photo. Of course they and were. And me and a buddy that were just hiking walked up and came up over the ridge and kind of went, oh, we're sorry. Would you yeah. like me to take the photo for you? <laughs> exactly. That just I'm got, a photographer. That just got awkward. Uh, so, yeah, there was that one for sure. And then I actually did – it's not really altitude, but I did one of my favorite backcountry adventures ever. Is uh, it was actually thirtieth birthday. My wife dropped me off in the middle of Tuolumne Meadows, which is okay. north of Yosemite Valley. Okay, and I did uh, thirty miles solo from there to Yosemite Valley, and that was amazing. That Pretty was cool, amazing. Including last day, I I climbed to the top of Half Dome, which a lot of people do, but that was my part of my last day. I climbed to the top of Half Dome, right, and literally sat on the edge. If you think of Half Dome as literally what the name describes, sat on the edge with my feet dangling, looking down at the river, and called my wife. And okay. I know my wife well enough. When I'm out in a situation <laughs> like that, I'm I'm non-communicado. I'm out. I'm out in the middle of nowhere. 
And we have a standing rule. Obviously, I have a cell phone. If I can get reception, I will call her if there's a problem. She knew to not hear from me for another probably six or eight hours. Okay. But I got on the top of Half Dome. I'm thinking about my wife. I've been out for three days. I thought I'm going to call her. So as soon as she answered, I said, I'm fine. <laughs> right, she, right. So she just started laughing because she knew that her first instinct was, why are you calling? And I was like, I'm fine. I'm just <laughs> What's wrong? What's Dome, wrong? Top of Half Dome, right. feet dangling in the breeze. Very fun. So crazy. Unbelievable. All right, uh, Dudzinski on Instagram has asked about my talking about my dad as a pilot. Oh, yeah. He was wondering if I've ever thought about picking it up, or you or both of us, have we thought about getting into flying and flying lessons? It was something, as a matter of fact, that my dad soloed in the airplane on the day I was born. Mm, wow, I He didn't went know that. and soloed in the morning and came to the hospital in the afternoon. So wow. if he had not, of course, my mom would have had another conniption fit. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, she really sacrificed to give him that dream. That's cool. Because his dream was always flying and flight. Mm. And he ended up owning two airplanes in his life. And for me, it's been cars. I've considered it. And after going with him a lot of times, he's no longer in it. He's, you know, he's got, uh, he was into boats for a while. And now he's totally out of everything. But, uh, yeah, I, I had thought about it um, just from a, cost standpoint and mm -hmm. i thought you know mm -hmm. cars are just so much more accessible to me yeah and you know racetracks and all that kind of stuff as cool as it is to be able to own your own airplane is quite something i mean yeah yeah, yeah. just on a small aircraft my dad's oil changes were 185 dollars just for the oil change <laughs> and the annual maintenance and yeah. the insurance and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on and on and on the hangar all that stuff oh, man. But then when we were up there together, he was a little kid in the air. That's so cool. So I was sitting right seat. He was pilot, of course. And we'd be talking about something, pointing out the front window. You know, what's that over there? And we'd just bank left. Let's go find out. Let's go look <laughs> at it. Like, okay, that's what you do when you have your own airplane. You just mm -hmm. you just go and look. And so I, I think I had a lot of fun going with him to Jefferson County airports and Centennial airports in Denver. And we would stand out there and you can look at tail numbers on airplanes yeah. and type them into the FAA registry and find out who owns the aircraft. Hmm. I don't know if you knew this, okay, everybody yeah. listening, but it starts with the N number for at least uh, American uh, registered air aircraft. Sure, sure. And you can type that N number in and find out who it is. Generally speaking, they have a lot of shell companies that protect owners from yeah, prying yeah, yeah. eyes and that kind of stuff. But I found the Heinz corporate jet. I found... You know, all kinds of interesting things. You think, oh, that's who's in town. You know, you see a bunch of private jets at this airport. Oh, so that's who that is. You know, it's it's kind of fun. So I just, yeah, I I, um, I considered it. I toyed with the idea. Getting your pilot's license nowadays is rather expensive. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just thought, you know what? Cars is my thing. Mm. I love airplanes too, but it was a category of, of me and my dad when yeah. that happen we were together a lot in the air and that's cool that's I just, cool i remember we hit an air pocket so hard one time we were belted down and both our heads hit the ceiling i oh mean we cracked our skulls <laughs> just the stories coming out of that and so we just what uh what yeah. planes did your dad have he had a cessna 206 turbocharged okay. 206 yeah, yeah. in yeah, colorado yeah. and uh later on in life he had a cessna 182 sure and sure uh, both fantastic airplanes and okay and uh you know they call it the hundred dollar hamburger yeah. Same reason everybody owns cigarette boats for poker runs, cars, expensive cars, just go driving for no reason, and airplanes, you pick a city in the next state, and you fly there for lunch. It's mm -hmm. called the $100 hamburger, yeah. and you just have a day. Yeah. So that's I, cool. I have a lot of fond memories. That's cool. 
Uh, to answer it on my end, I uh, I was flight obsessed right around the time I started driving. And uh, when I turned 16, I was working at a grocery store sacking groceries and would spend most of my weekly paycheck taking a flight lesson uh, in a tiny little Cessna 152. I've told this joke before. The, the <laughs> Cessna that flew had more horsepower than my uh, 1982 Firebird that barely drove. So, yeah. but So I would drive out to a tiny little airport west of Houston. I mean, way west of Houston. There was nothing out there at the time. And uh, and get my daily triple on the way out. Actually, eventually in that car, <laughs> and then uh, and then fly the Cessna 152 for an hour and watch my entire paycheck, except for gas money, Just get drained, evaporate. And, and that was the thing. I was on my way to soloing. Enjoying it, but it was just, it was way too expensive for me at 16. And I was, I mean, I was paying for it myself. Yeah, and then the realization yeah. dawned years later that all of the stuff I wanted to fly, I couldn't, I really had no chance of ever getting into. Whereas with cars, hmm. there was a shot. You know, I mean, sure, you can, sure. you can be a civilian and get into the hottest cars on the planet in general. You, the, the hottest planes on the planet. You can even go back to like World War II stuff. What, what's your chance of flying a P-51 Mustang? Almost nothing unless you have the money to buy one. You know, true. So that was yeah. the other thing is that cars, that they were not only something I could have a chance at getting into, but also something I could have a chance at getting into and finding the edges of. You talk about in flight finding the edge of the envelope. You can do that in a car. You can get into a big car and you can start to find a place sure. to go push it. Sure. Best of luck on both of those in aircraft. <laughs> Well, I've actually wanted to go to the Reno Air Races for a long time, and I, I, oh, I still think that'd be fun to go to. You yeah, know, the hot yeah. August nights and Reno Air Races and just see these guys with mega horsepower. But, you know, now my dad's got a lot of stories, uh, you know, from Alaska and just, yeah. you oh, know, the bush some, pilot stuff is nuts. Not so great. Not so, not so fun to hear. But mm. uh, I do know all the pilot jokes now, and my favorite one is if you're flying along and you push forward on the stick, the houses get bigger. If you pull back on the stick, the houses get smaller. If you keep pulling back on the stick, the houses start to get bigger again. That's <laughs> my favorite joke. It's very good. I like it. Uh, simple one. What's your favorite chain burger place and favorite flavor of ice cream? I'm going to say five guys and and just chocolate. Let's just let's just cut to the chase. <laughs> Make it easy. You know, I am uh, kind of surprised you didn't say umami burger. Actually, no winner. You're right. What am I thinking? Umami, you're right. Surprised. No, you're right. Umami wins. You're right. Sorry. Okay. What was I thinking there? You're right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I love umami too, but I guess I'm more of a, um, you know, turkey burger kind of a guy. I'm not really into the, I don't know. It's, it's okay. But, uh, yeah. And I love ice cream as well. I, uh, I guess I love straight up vanilla, French vanilla. I, yeah. We, we just continue to be opposites here. We, do. Just, we, we don't funny. even try and it happens. There it is. My dad's was always butter pecan and I could never get into that. But just something, you know, normal, tasty. Oh, here, Scott Durrell asked many, many questions. Yes, he did. Uh, but he, so he said this when we were talking about this recently in another, in another group. You're given a three-week all-expenses-paid vacation. Where do you go? Mm. <laughs> uh, Australia is on my list for mm -hmm. sure. The Gold Coast is definitely up there. Yeah, cool. Uh, maybe Scandinavia, some Scandinavian countries, uh, you know, furniture. And design, of course, <laughs> that interests me a lot. But uh, I think, yeah, New Zealand, Australia, Indonesia is up there for me. Hmm, uh, hmm. That that intrigues me a lot. Never had the opportunity to go yet. We need to 
figure out how to just go there for the show. We have a lot of Australian uh, listeners and, and viewers. There's a, actually a growing audience. Thank you, guys. Growing audience agreed, down under for the show. It would be really you. cool to go down there. When we do, and I will put it in the win category, we'll definitely have to do some meetups because I, I keep get, we keep getting emails like, hey, I'm writing to you from New Zealand or Australia, which is really, really cool. Yeah, and in spite yeah. of all my Lord of the Rings years, I never went to New Zealand, which is a bit of a bummer. That is a bit of a sore subject, but it is true. <laughs> never went to Middle Earth, huh? No, I didn't get the chance. <laughs> Oh, you know, there's a question over here on Twitter that was very much not everyday driver. It was sort of the opposite of everyday driver okay. that I would like I would like to touch on. And Ian asks that he's he says he's in the market for a yacht, but he doesn't want to get something that's bigger than the boss. So you know he's owned everything from a catamaran to a tugboat. It's <laughs> the nice reference. Yeah, this is everyday yachter, right? Well, have you heard that that you've probably heard or seen Matt Ferris kind of heading his way toward doing one takes of boats? Has he really? Mm, yeah, that's, that's headed that way. So, he so he'll cover it. Actually, I want to talk, go back to Scott's question on the uh, the three weeks to travel thing. I do want to say this. This is just a bug in my brain about travel. I was This question came up in a different group, and I had the exact same answer. If we're really talking all expenses paid, what I would yeah, like yeah. to do is I would like to do southern half of Europe with my wife and a great car, no agenda, very little baggage. Mm, mm. Because th you can drive into a random town and be like, let's eat there. You can drive yeah, into a ran can. random place and be like, you know what? I'm tired. Let's get a hotel. Zero agenda and a nice car. If you wind up in the Alps and you want to ski, you rent gear for the day. You know, if you wind up in the Dolomites, you want to climb, you go hire a climbing guide. and you get, There's no, like, haul the camper. If it's really all expenses paid, you rent or buy what you need when you need it, and then you're done. But just – I want to hit all the big, you know, European hotspots I haven't seen, sure. But I also want to drive through the random towns you'd never go to other than the fact you picked that squiggle on the map. And with my wife and the ability to have no agenda, you can do the 150 miles today and you're fine. Who cares? Sure. That would be what I would do. I like that there's a car involved, just yeah. random squiggly line on the map. Absolutely. Let's go exploring. Absolutely. What's up there? Because the, the problem, I mean, look, this is a first world problem, but the problem with the traditional Europe trip is you pick a spot and you just go to that spot. You get your way to that spot, you're there. And, there, and there's all that True. stuff from living True. in a place or from having time where you just – you drive somewhere random and you just go, I didn't even know that was here. I mean that happens wherever you live in the world. I mean it happens here in Utah. We'll find a new road every year because we're just like, you know what? I'm going to spend this Saturday and just go drive. Mm -hmm. Unless you have the chance and the time to do it and no agenda, you can't find that stuff. Interesting. I, I Yeah, scooters have to be in the equation with Italy for me. Like if, you know, if we're going to do southern Italy and we're going to zoom around, scooters just – slow speeds, enjoying everything, you know, stopping for an espresso that intrigues the daylights <laughs> okay, out of me right. too. All right. So this yacht question, it's gotta be Wally yachts. Really? You have an answer. Oh yes. Of course you do. As a matter of fact, the reason is, is because from a design perspective, I looked at yacht design quite a bit for furniture because of minimalist materials and weatherproof materials and just design in general. I mean, there's a lot of kind of outdoor furniture on decks of yachts. And mm. surprisingly, mm. it's a, quite a market. So, yeah, Wally Yachts. Look at the 80 Wally Power. One of my faves. Unbelievable. Quite different. Of course Very you Very an unique answer. take. But if you were to ask me about my favorites, it would have to be um, Palmer Johnson, Benetti, or Feedship, probably some of the. Uh, it, you may as well ones. be speaking a different language right now. I, know, I have followed I know. none of this. 
But it's because of the furniture design thing. Yeah. We would always do a lot of research and look at yacht interiors and look at inspiration and, you know, just the, the lines of yachts and how they relate to furniture design. That's, that was a lot of inspiration, Mm. to be honest. Mm. Okay. And I just, I got familiar with Wally. They even made their own carbon fiber skis. I mean, these guys are designers from Italy that just make phenomenal stuff Mm. for, Everybody who is not an everyday driver, which is, you know, a tiny slice of the planet. Do you see Tyler Hill's question? This is a question you could spend some time on. It's like, this feels like one of those questions that Tyler's asking on Facebook where he just wants to sit down for a while and have a beer. I'm guessing that Tyler (laughs) is clearly 23 because his question is, Oh, one thing you wish you knew about life when you were 23. Hmm. Um, Hmm. I'm going to say two things. And, And this first one is going to seem... It's going to seem tacky, but I, I believe it, and I don't mean it to be tacky. I, I truly believe it's true. I don't think people settle into a reliable person generally until you're 25-ish, okay? Some are earlier, some are later, but 25 in general. That seems to be a place where kind of all of the teenage unpredictability of people, and I was in this boat, absolutely. I feel like by the time you get to about 25, that's that's gone. So maybe you're there, Tyler, at 23. Maybe you're settling out into, don't get me wrong, not who you are, because I think that still changes some, but just a reliable person that you bounce against. Okay. So that's one thing. The right. second thing I want to say about 23 that I did not know, when I was in my early 20s, I could tell you who I was. I could tell you exactly where I was going, and I was wrong. <laughs> so, but But here's the thing I would say, Tyler. Where your life is going to take you is going to surprise you. Yeah, that's That's the biggest thing I would say. You can look at, in your 20s, you can say, this is my life mapped out, and I would almost put money down. That will not be right. There Mm. will be, Mm. and not necessarily in a bad way. It may be in a glorious way. But but look, I'll, I'll rewind real quick and say, I live in Utah. There is no part of me in my 20s that would have said, you're going to live in Utah in any way, shape, or form. Right, right. I love living in Park City, Utah. It's fantastic. I also, in my 20s, was never going to be a father. My son is almost eight. Okay? So my point is, you don't really know the twist that life is going to take. It doesn't mean it's going to be a bad thing. But be prepared that success may look different than you expect because life is going to take turns you don't expect. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's the big one. Followed by a second thing is how do you define success? Yeah. Because yeah. when I was in my twenties, I could have told you what that list was, but I think the definition of that is much broader than you envision when you're in your twenties. So hopefully that's helpful. And I'm not saying anything, Tyler, that I don't have to remind myself, by the way. Okay. There are days I'm just like, I'm not where I want to be. And I'm going, wait, 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 wait. Look at all the things I do have or the things that have happened that I never even imagined. But chains of events and decisions led me to a place where I'm like, well, this is cool. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's great input, great advice. Tyler, I would say that from my design career standpoint, I guess I always keep coming back to this. I wished I had traveled earlier, global travel mm-hmm. earlier in life that would have given me more perspective earlier. I did end up doing a lot of travel and have done so quite a bit, but I guess you could say it's later in life. The thing is, I never had the desire to go backpacking through Europe and sleep on the cold floor of, of a Czech train station. Sure, sure. I just didn't never want, didn't had didn't want to do desire. the hostel. We had a good friend that did the youth hostel thing we all did. over the place. Yeah, He had some crazy stories. I And not that it needed to be a five-star hotel either. I just wanted you know, a normal bed with... 
you know, normal bathroom, luggage yeah. and a bathroom and just normality. That's, I guess, has always appealed to me, even though I do love camping and sure, sure. getting away from it all. Different vibe. I, that, that is in a different category for me. But I kind of wish I had traveled earlier just for a different perspective on cultures mm, that would have mm. influenced design. Because as a designer, you're asked to do all kinds of varied projects for varied clientele and meet different design briefs. And having more of a perspective like that definitely influences That's your cool. design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it re I'll relate it to cars. It's because a guy like um, – uh, name escapes me right now uh, – Ken um, – can't remember his last name. He worked for Pininfarina, designer for okay. Pininfarina. okay. Ken Okiyama, uh, he was a uh, chair at Art Center for a long time, but Ken Okiyama is Japanese and Tokyo-born, I believe, but a sure, Japanese designer, sure. worked for Pininfarina and designed the Ferrari Enzo, yeah, and, yeah, as well as many other Italian cars. How does a Japanese designer have an Italian sensibility and make something that is very Italian? Mm, mm. It's knowing cultures, and a good designer yeah, that's good. That's can excellent. design for any kind of design brief. Huh, he okay. did an amazing job. So, and but, there's that varied perspective you know, that Japanese. comes from travel. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I guess the second thing I'd say, Tyler, is nothing is guaranteed in any category of mm, your life. That's very good. Nothing is guaranteed, so enjoy it, embrace it. But for the future, nothing's guaranteed. Yeah, that's very good. That's very good. Uh, let's see. Dale Chang asked me quick uh, climbing question. Do I boulder or do I trad sport climb? If you don't know what that <laughs> means, uh, bouldering is the stuff you don't need ropes for. You're roughly less than 20 feet off the ground. Typically very, very hard stuff that is almost more of a technical workout. Trad or sport climbing are different, different ways of headed up the rock for hundreds of feet at a time. I boulder by necessity. I love to sure. trad and sport climb. And some of my favorite climbs, actually, there's a place out in California called Takeets. It's uh, 600 to 1,000 feet. Uh, granite slabs. It's a training place for Yosemite, honestly, for the big, big walls of Yosemite. Mm. There were some six to 800 foot climbs on that that were well, well within the climbing ability of my friends and I. So we would go out there. And so you're not pushing the envelope of your ability at all, but you're going to get a lot of distance in the day because you're going up in 200 foot stretches because that's how long the rope is. So you're like inchworming your way up the wall, if you will. And it is very much the the traditional climbing, sticking pieces in the wall that kind of climbing that you would use in Yosemite. We would go out and do that. And those still are my favorite climbing memories because you'd just be on the wall all day hmm. trading hmm. out at, at belay stations. And, you know, we weren't doing the hardest thing on the wall. We were, we were comfortable with the climbing, but you've got a lot of air under your feet. I love that. Wow. I, I don't know what to say. It's sort of that category for me with, you know, design and yachts. Yeah. I don't know what to say. So <laughs> I will take this moment to thank one of our sponsors, Covercraft. I've used them extensively for a long time. They have kept my cars looking, as you like to joke, the CPO certified Paul Ohm. Yeah, be sure you go to Covercraft.com for all of that stuff. Uh, we've got more questions. Here's one that I don't know if you have an answer for. Brian Penn wrote on Facebook and said, what recently released or soon-to-be-released movies do we most want to see? That instantly dates this podcast, you realize, because anybody listening way in the future will think, Oh, that old movie. True. Way but, back when. But these are all, to some degree, these are all time uh, time capsules. So, you know, That's they are true. what they are. That's true. I'm going to say three that are on my list for summer, or on my list for the calendar. They're not all summer. Uh, Cars 3. I'm very curious okay. to see the third Cars movie. I loved the first one. The second one, I don't like nearly as much. The third one looks to be more, the third one almost feels more like the sequel to the first in many ways, as far as how it appears. 
So uh, I'm very curious about that. Plus, my, my son will want to go, and so that'll be a nice bonding thing. That's cool. Plus, the Cars movies are fun. So there's that. Uh, the Dark Tower, based on the <laughs> Stephen King series. Okay, all right. This, The Dark Tower novels by Stephen King are one of my favorite series of novels. So I'm incredibly intrigued to see this executed. Um, and Edris Elba, who is an amazing actor, I find very odd casting because of some of the content of the novels. Hmm. So, I mean, otherwise, I mean, great actor, but I just, I'm just very curious to see how they tackle some things in the novels that are going to have to be changed because he was cast. So I'm very curious about it, but it, I don't care. I don't care. I'm just excited about that movie. And then, of course, I will say the one that you probably will not go to at all, and my son will ask you questions about it. But I'm excited about the next Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi. I, you're right. I, <laughs> that's, uh, that's funny. No, I, uh, there's a movie out there that's intrigued me called Murder on the Orient Express that has a lot of names in it that's kind of intriguing me, to be honest. Which either means it'll be great or awful. There, that, there'll be yeah. no middle ground for that film. No, you're right. I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer's in this, Johnny Depp, Willem Dafoe, Kenneth Branagh. I mean, all these names. So it could really be huge or it could be... You had a boat payment due, and so you needed to make another movie. Exactly. Exactly. Well right. done, everyone. Wow, alimony is coming up. That's an expensive bill. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's see. We've also got. Uh, oh, I. Ha I. Sorry, I have to answer this one um, because my wife laughed. There was the question of uh, worst present I've ever given my wife, oh. <laughs> and so I asked her. I asked her. I said, "Okay, what do you think?" And uh, honestly, I've done pretty well in the course of my marriage. I don't have a – do you remember when you gave me this? I don't have that. She did joke with me. This was not her birthday present, but I happened to go get her new tires on her Cayenne on her birthday. That was not her present, but it just – it worked out. That was a weekend. I was able to. She needed tires. I went and got her tires. We still had other things that we did that day, but she's teased me about that a little bit. But one I have to mention that's not birthday that, we, that she and I laugh about, we, I did give her a, a world's worst Mother's Day once. Okay. I'm we were coming back from a vacation with her family, which was already stressful. Our son was two-ish, so he was walking, but not walking well. And we were driving back from L.A. to uh, Utah. And so we were going by Vegas. Right. And so it is actually currently Mother's Day. We're in the car. We finished a week stressful long time with, with her family. So we're already all on edge. It's Mother's Day. Because it's a road trip Mother's Day, I have nothing planned. Hmm. And my wife is experiencing like her second or third Mother's Day. It was early on, you know. Okay. Plus you're road tripping with a toddler, which is not fun. So I, I kept saying, okay, if there's something you want to do, let's do it. And so we start driving through Vegas and I was like, let's stop somewhere and eat something good. Let's let's go somewhere cool. We're in Vegas. Let's Let's at least stop and get a Mother's Day dinner of some kind. She had the bright idea, and it was her idea. This is the only place where I'm not going to take fault. <laughs> she had the idea of, okay, if we're here with our son, we should try to go somewhere in Vegas that he might halfway like. Let's go to Circus Circus. Uh, yeah, I'm cringing again. Mm. I'm cringing. If you've not been to Vegas, <laughs> you know how Vegas destroys the old hotels and makes new shiny hotels? Somehow, Circus Circus <laughs> is surviving under this bubble of timelessness where they're not going to do that. I don't know like why 40 years. Or something, I, right? I am shocked to wonder how long it's been there. So circus circus is the grand, uh, undestroyed hotel in, uh, in, uh, Vegas. And it's not nice. Uh, <laughs> and it's really not nice to walk through with a toddler on mother's day 
Um, so we had a bad Yikes. buffet, and we walked through. And my and and while I'm walking, this is one of my favorite moments. While I was walking through the edge of the casino to try to get to place to eat, I'm holding my toddler son's hand, <laughs> and a guy all but grabbed me. I mean, he like leaned out from his along the strip shop there, and offered me everything you can imagine to smoke. <laughs> and I'm saying like he rattled off a list, and only half of it was legal. And I looked at him and I said, I don't smoke. And he looked at me deadpan and said, you want to learn? And and I was like, okay, sir, first off, this is a bit aggressive. But secondly, you see me standing here trying to walk past you with a toddler, right? Apparently no, that didn't matter. No part of you thought, I'm just going to gut check that and not, not offer this, not push this guy quite so hard. So <laughs> that was one of my rare moments where I was like, okay, uh, I'm quite angry now. But uh, yeah. So that was the Mother's Day that did not work. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, Scott D., another of his questions on here on Instagram, has asked you a question about Catherine Bach from 1979 or <laughs> Jessica Simpson from 2005. <laughs> yeah. And then he asked me that he, about a, a movie here. He recently suffered through the movie 2012. Uh-huh. Scott, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I feel for you. But he's asking, where does this compare in relation to Daylight? On the suckaquacity list. Suckaquacity. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Daylight still takes the cake. Mm. It's got to be up there. I I want to claw my eyeballs out watching this movie. And I I watched it once. It was years ago. I just put it in my brain. Mm-hmm. Don't ever watch this again. It's so <laughs> terrible. Vico Mortensen plays a climber in that film briefly until he Does dies. He? Yeah. What yeah. was what was the deal with uh, Sylvester Stallone and then? climbing movies and not sure not sure what was yeah. the deal with him yeah it was interesting how for a time that was the kind of a thing and then you have cliffhanger which has some of the most unbelievable gear failing scenes in history but yet that makes for drama so i get it i get it okay so i have to ask answer scott's question about daisy duke huh okay so scott's asking which daisy duke do i prefer this is a quagmire this is going to be terrible but i, I do I, I here's my answer here's my answer and this is right off uh, uh, kind of shooting from the hip here um okay jessica simpson has never looked as good as she did as Daisy Duke. Agreed. So just based Agreed. on that moment of time on film, wow, Jessica <laughs> Simpson, which was her, let's be honest, that was her role, that was why she was cast. But of course, behind that, this is what actors do. There's a nutritionist and a personal trainer and a diet, and we're not eating anything, and we're all made sure, up. And sure. So you can record that moment in time, but you can't maintain it. Okay, it's the same thing as Hugh Jackman when he plays Wolverine. There's a whole regimen that leads to him looking like this ridiculously ripped guy that the minute the movie's over, he can't maintain that. He doesn't look that way in normal life. So while Jessica Simpson, I would say, is is she's otherworldly. She doesn't look real, but wow, she's attractive in in Dukes of Hazzard. The thing about Catherine Bach is she just looked that way. Because she's Mm -hmm. on the show every week. There's no personal trainer behind it. She just looked like that. Which is shocking. So I sound I, I sound like a terrible guy here answering this question on one level, but you've asked, Scott. That's my attempt to be cerebral about a question that is not. Uh, okay, how about cars and comments? He asked, uh, favorite Seinfeld episodes? Oh. Ooh. It's been a long time since I've gone through the Seinfeld list. Yeah. I'm trying to think about this. Of course, Soup Nazi is the classic one that everybody that's knows. There. That's okay? up there. Uh, that's, that's a, that because it's just so iconic. It just became one of those, it, you know, zeitgeist cultural things that everybody knows. So that one, but I can think of three. 
I'll okay. get pwned to this. I'm racking my brain over here. Uh, there is the ugly naked one. That makes me laugh <laughs> because that's another one that just kind of entered culture. Okay. So the ugly okay. naked one is very funny. The masturbation one yeah, the, is uh, terrible Master but funny. of your domain. And I had, I had a friend. I had a friend who was very conservative, like hyper, hyper, hyper conservative that had never seen Seinfeld. Okay. And I finally convinced him to watch Seinfeld. Of course, this is when, you know, there's no DVR. You just watch it when it was on. I finally convinced him to watch Seinfeld. The episode we happened to watch as our first one was the masturbation episode. <laughs> and I kept thinking, this episode's a riot, but this friend of mine will never take my recommendation ever again. So there's that one, uh, Seinfeld. Uh, and then also, you know what? Which one always sticks in my brain? The one where they spend the entire episode lost in a parking garage because they can't find their car. That one was awesome. That was pretty funny. Puffy shirt though is up there. That was one of the earlier sure, early sure. episodes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that still is is pretty funny to me. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think about other episodes. I'd have to go back and watch, but yeah, definitely one of my favorites uh, for a long time. As a matter of fact. All right, I'm looking through uh, through Facebook here. Oh, you know what? Let's talk about whiskey. We haven't talked about whiskey and watches yet. Well, well, yeah, we, there are many questions. I will go silent for. I may leave the room, come back. Yeah, we'll go for it. <laughs> okay, so Edmund on Facebook asks about favorite whiskey under fifty bucks, and I don't know if this is under fifty dollars or not. As a matter of fact, a friend introduced it to me. It's Chattanooga whiskey. Chattanooga Whiskey 1816 Reserve. I kind of think it's right around the $50, $60 mark. But just, you know, around a campfire, hanging out, one of my favorites. It seems that you always have a memory attached maybe to a a specific drink, and maybe that's why it's better for whatever reason. Sure. But that's got to be up there for me. Of course, I like uh, scotch a lot. Somebody somebody else asked me about scotch on here, and uh, definitely... Scotch over bourbon for the bite, but I like a water back to cool it down. So all white noise in my headphones right now. I have no idea what half this is. I like drinks that are natural, to be honest. You know, wine from grapes. Whiskey is distilled grains. Coffee is a roasted bean. These are all natural products. That's what I like. What comes out of the soda machine? You know, the greatest thing on the planet is the soda machines right now. This is my contribution. The soda machines that exist where you can pick any soda on the planet. Oh, that makes yes. me so happy. The new ones. Though, that makes me so happy. Where Just was that when care. I was a kid? I would have weighed 150 pounds at age 10 if that existed when I was a child. <laughs> Just I push the water button. I know you Whatever. do. Yeah. So, yeah, Sean C., Coke or Pepsi, neither for me. I I like sparkling water, and I like... You know, just regular water to drink, I guess. I, I'm actually going to say I don't care. I know that is a terrible answer, but I am. I thought I am, you did. I don't really care. I am the random guy that when you're at a restaurant and you order a Coke, I just order a Coke, and they say we only have Pepsi products, I say fine. I really. My wife is now, no, no. She, she <laughs> says I want a Diet Coke, and they say we don't have Coke. She's like, no, I'm not getting anything, any soda of any kind. <laughs> I don't care. I really don't. I know that sounds weird. It's not a common answer, but I'll whatever. All right, so moving on to watches briefly. What kind of watches do I have in my collection from Duo Rockwell on Instagram? Mainly Bell & Ross. I've got two Bell & Ross, but I do have a Casio G-Shock for the beat-around watch and another one minus eight, which is a San Francisco brand with a Japanese movement that I'm pretty impressed with. I'm thinking about branching out to answer more questions here. I like Omega. I'm thinking about an Omega Speedmaster. Okay. I'm I'm liking the Tog Heuer watches. I mean, Steve McQueen, the the icon of cool, had one of these, one of my heroes up there. And uh, 
I see Paul Newman's Rolex Daytonas hmm. are recently, I think, up for auction. And as you know, Paul wow. Newman, one of my heroes, and this watch, they showed the back of it. It's just, it's beat up. It's just destroyed. But hmm. Paul Newman's Rolex Daytona, are you kidding me? I, done. I I can't imagine what that thing's worth. I can't either, and I am immune to this conversation. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm getting there. But no, 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 no. Don't feel know. free. Go keep running. I'm just. I I will admit to glossing glassing over over here, but that doesn't mean stop. <laughs> to be honest, I I do aspire to some of the uh, the more premium brands, but you know, I've kind of thought about just getting watches I like to wear that I'm not worried about as much. I love Seiko. I love Citizen. There's some dive watches that I dig that are more in the you know, five, $600 range. That's kind of interest me. Somebody asked you, and I'm curious now, the Kia of watches. Ooh. What's the nice, affordable watch? What's the nice, affordable Ooh. watch brand? There's Sector uh, watches, and minus eight watches are pretty good there as well. Um, gosh, top of my head, I'd have to do a little research on that. But, I mean, get what you like. And you have to decide, are you buying for style or are you buying for the movement? If you're buying for the movement, oh, it gets look, really expensive. Oh, look, my phone has a clock on it. That's what I'm <laughs> buying for. But if you're buying for style, get something you like, you're proud to wear, and works with you. It's the same reason we recommend cars. And sure. people you know, identify with cars because they like the style. It's you. It's the eyeglasses you wear. It's the footwear you choose. It's the art you put on your wall. Yeah. Anything you like. It's... if. If the wine tastes good to you, it's good wine. Mm -hmm. The end. Does the watch look good? You're going to do the Watches and Whiskey podcast, aren't you? I think I might. Huh. That could be a great I, idea. I will not be in attendance, but, but it, <laughs> it'll be probably be riveting. Idea. But yeah. Interesting. Fossil's got some great watches. Oh, and Nixon, cool watches. They've got some great stuff. But as far as watches and technology go, we have this friend, and we've told this story before. He is a programmer. He's a oh, yeah. data guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks at the Apple Watch and says, I know how that works. It's ones and zeros. He bought a skeleton fossil watch. Yeah. Skeleton with yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the... Where you can see through yeah, all the gears. you can see the movement. And he's looking at this thing and he says, they tell time with gears. How do they do that? He's, he's riveted. He, he's looking it's at it hilarious. like it's a magic trick. It is really interesting to watch it boggle his mind. And he is so interested. And he fully admits it. He's like, I bought this watch because I have no idea how it works. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me. And so for that reason, as much as I love tech, I love the analog nature of watches because they will always be in style mm. and they'll always work. Mm. Whereas the latest Garmin, whatever, with the integrated tech over here, you'll wear it for six months. The latest Fitbit this and the Nike that with whatever sure, cool sure. Bluetooth, you know, and all the altitude and all that kind of stuff. Ooh, Suntu. Suntu. Uh, I forgot that. Oh, yeah. They're a uh, Finnish brand, I believe. Mm -hmm. Sunto watches, I believe. Anyway, I love those. Yeah, the just general tech and watches, it's going to go away. The new tech is coming. Sure, the next Apple sure. Watch will come down the pike. So that's why I like the analog because they're timeless. Mm -hmm. A timepiece that's timeless. Well yes, done. I like yes. that. I like that. Watches and whiskey podcast. Uh, we yeah, have to do this. You, you would do it well and I would have <laughs> nothing to contribute. Uh, so here's one I, I want to answer and I'm going to try really hard to answer this efficiently. Uh, Joseph, you asked on Facebook, how did I meet my wife? Um, there is a multi-part soap opera college drama here <laughs> that I am going to try really hard to skip through. Uh, I met my wife. Let's see. I was was in college, and I was a senior, 
And one of my electives was called theater appreciation, which was, a, as you can imagine from the title, was a throwaway elective. But you had to go to a couple of the theater performances, the local uh, college of, of the university theater department. So I had to go to a couple of those. Luckily, my climbing partner, my rock climbing partner, was in the theater department. He was in this production, which I thought was pretty cool. So um, I went to this production. And um, one of the girls in there, I went, oh, my gosh, who is she? This this gorgeous gorgeous girl. I was amazed by her. Plus, it was a it yeah. Anyway, so she looked great. And I asked my friend afterward. I was like, "Who was that?" And he told me. And I said, "Who's she dating?" Because I was curious. And he told me. And I went, "That guy." I mean, I was just <laughs> so shocked at the guy she was dating. Hmm. Fast forward a year, my rock climbing partner is now dating her. <laughs> and so I meet her again and I put the pieces yeah. he didn't even remember our initial conversation I put the pieces together like you're dating her and she and I became friends we just became like totally platonic friends great great friends and uh, when my because the rock climbing relationship thing is a very close relationship you literally have got that person's life in your hands true. when you were, when you true. were belaying them right so there's a very close brotherhood there but then I became very close friends with his girlfriend. We were hang out, great buddies. And she was climbing too, and it was really fun. Their relationship exploded spectacularly. In a bad end, way, you're oh, saying. Oh, yeah, just terribly. Imploded, maybe I should say. At the end of their senior year, I was now a year out of college. Exploded terribly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I still, you know, loved them both very much. They're both very close friends of mine. But now I had this really close relationship with her. So we we got together. We, it was actually one of those things where it was like, should we try something here? Should we try this? Because there's a there's a rapport here that mm. we both recognized. Heck, my friend even recognized didn't really exist in their relationship. And so we just were like, really? should we try? That. Should they we try a level? Now my that. now well he did eventually. My friend okay. had a bit of an ego about this. And look, I understand there's a level of betrayal here. So this is where the drama ensues. So for about eighteen months, honestly, between when their relationship imploded until it finally got sorted out. Um, that was a lot of ridiculous drama that is not necessarily <laughs> go into, but I did meet and start dating my rock climbing buddies, girlfriend at the time. And the crazy irony is ultimately I was in his wedding to someone else and he was in mine. Uh, Unbelievable. but there is so much soap opera there. It's not even worth covering. We've got another sponsor to thank on our show here. And that is Amsoil Amsoil.com use their car finder on the website to look up your car to find the right product for you. If you're a DIY guy and you're doing your own oil, it's definitely a place to go. You can look up any car you have. Everyday Driver is not only sponsored by them, but we even have a landing page, amsoil.com slash driver. Did you see the top five? Uh, you have any of these you want to cover? Top five TV series or films? Of course, I gravitate toward questions like that, and you do watches and whiskey. But <laughs> exactly. did you did you want to jump in on that one at all? You know, lately it's been too busy for me to really settle down and really watch it. But it's not even recent. It's just... Give us some highlights. Mm, what are what are I mean? We all know you hate daylight. What do you like? Any action film, of course. Yes. Uh, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the Bond and Bourne movies. Mm, sure. Yeah. 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 Huge fan. As a matter of fact, somebody wrote about Atomic Blonde coming out, mm-hmm. and yes, it does have all the elements. Oh yes, it was Tyler. Tyler, thank you. Yes, it's even got an air cooled 964 in it. <laughs> 
Did you see the trailer? <laughs> yes. I love that that's the first thing you want to tell the audience about Atomic Blonde. <laughs> not that Charlize Theron is in it. Not that, not that she's, a, she's an assassin. Not any of the other myriad of action scenes. No, 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 no. 964 is in it, which brings it right back to what in, we do. In the briefest of shots, too, and mm. we might never actually see it in the film. It yeah. might just be for the trailer alone. As is the case of trailers, yes. Everything else, all the boxes are checked. You're right. Action, things explode. <laughs> she kicks butt. Yeah, it's it, I'm there. I'm there. Okay. Uh, I I love the TV show Friends, and that's a show I just mentioned. My wife. That's a show that my wife and I, when our friendship was forming, that show was huge. Yeah, and so we yeah. have a lot of memories with that show. And our our kind of internal running joke is that we kind of are Monica and Chandler, for better <laughs> and for worse. So uh, Friends is a big one up there on the comedy uh, space. Great, great show. Um, I really liked Lost. However, I felt like Lost got a little lost into what on earth is this show about. The first couple seasons, I actually have kind of a, a rough rule about TV shows. Generally, not always, generally they are better for their first two seasons than they will ever be beyond that. Because mm -hmm. when you're sitting down to pitch a show or you're thinking about a show or whatever, most people that are planning a, a, a this is specifically for dramas now, not necessarily comedies. You're planning a story arc that probably takes you to, through two seasons. Because you hope your show is going to run 10 years, but it may only run one. Sure. So if sure. it's only going to run one and you've got a dramatic arc, maybe you can compress it and do it in one. But you're probably going to plan for two, two seasons. So once you've run through that two-season arc, now you've got to figure out how do we just extend this. And a lot of shows struggle after two seasons. Uh, that's just me being just riffing on, on TV shows. But I really like Lost. I love the old Lonesome Dove miniseries, one of my all-time favorites. You? I'm, but I'm a no sucker kidding. for westerns. I'm a sucker for oh, westerns. I know this. So, Lonesome Dove original uh, miniseries is awesome. More recently, Westworld. I'm so surprised with what they did with the Westworld idea. It is so much better and deeper and interesting moral plays going on in there than I ever thought they were going to play. I, I watched that show just thinking, I'll give it a shot. I knew the premise. I'll give it a shot. It's, it's, it's Michael Crichton who did Jurassic Park. Sure. It's sure. the exact same structure done in, with the old west and robots i mean it's it's him writing again the same structure those books the structure of them is identical written like mm. 15 years apart which is funny to me that he wrote both of them but the nolans have taken that film i mean that that idea and made such a depth out of it that i'm very impressed with so westworld is cool uh everybody has to say game of thrones i think um because it is such an icon right now films real i'm going to try to go quick films real quick there are so many <laughs> In my top five, uh, Raiders, Forrest Gump, Braveheart, uh, How the West Was Won. No, 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 no. Once Upon a Time in the West. I'm sorry. Once the, the Leone epic. You want to talk about an amazing Western film? Uh, that's on there, and I'm forgetting one. Oh, Lawrence of Arabia. Oh. There's five quick films. Wow. I'm impressed. You're right. It could be the films and watches and whiskey show, you would do, I guess. You would do watches and whiskey, and I would do, I would do film and story. That's what would happen. I like this. But somehow they could weave together, you know, the, the character. Brad Pitt, you said, is always eating or drinking something in films. Always. Brad so Pitt always whiskey, eats. You know what I mean? Brad Pitt always eats and Tom Cruise always runs. That's right. And I'll go you one further. I'll go you one further. <laughs> okay. Tom Hanks, inexplicably, either needs to go pee or will pee. I don't know why. In every film? The number of characters. Yes. In, in Apollo 13... There's a whole sequence where he's finishing peeing. In Forrest Gump, I have to go pee. In Green Mile, he has a urinary tract infection. It goes on. 
this is really crazy. It's it's bizarre. And then meanwhile, Brad Pitt eats so much in the Oceans movies that I don't understand <laughs> why he isn't John Candy sized. Honestly, he's eating in every scene. And they do multiple takes. That's true. And then Tom Tom Cruise will run like some like the devil himself is chasing him in every single film. <laughs> You're right. I now that I'm thinking about this, this is really creepy. And you know what's even weirder about the Tom Cruise run? You can see some films where he actually can't walk well on camera. Jerry Maguire is a great one. A lot of times people get on camera. This is very, trust me, this is very common. It's very hard to just walk on camera. Not say anything, not do anything, just walk. Walk across the scene. Most people's gait will change. Sure. There are a few scenes in Jerry Maguire where he's walking away from camera and it's not his normal gait. He's got this awkward, I'm not sure what to do with myself walk but you make him run and the boy can run <laughs> oh that's hilarious all right we've got time for the lightning round from nick a on oh Facebook good here. good good excellent we're gonna wrap with this nike or canon i'm gonna go with canon mac or pc i'm gonna go both for my job interestingly i need to use both editing gets done for the podcast on mac and i do a lot of software work on pc mac Mac. I'll go with you on Canon, but I'm, I'm Mac. Okay. Uh, what else? Fold or scrunch? Go. Fold. Fold for me. Pancakes or waffles? Waffle. Pancakes. Of course. Android or iPhone? I actually have one of each. I would say iPhone, though. I'm going with iPhone, too. And movie or TV? Generally movie. Yeah, I'd say probably movie. Uh, book or audiobook? I'm thinking book for me. I do love to read. I like both. But I consume audiobooks. Yeah, I know you do. What else? California or Florida? California. California. Football or baseball? Uh, yes. I, no. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I played baseball growing up. I'm going to go with football, though. Broncos are my team. All about the Broncos. This We're, we're entering into that space where you are with the sci-fi stuff. I just, it's, that <laughs> I don't That's know. That's true. That's true. A uh, couple more. Soccer or hockey? Uh, really? <laughs> climbing or cycling? There, now we're getting hard. But, I like I don't that better. Care. Okay, go. Climbing or cycling? Uh, oh, that is actually hard now, but no problem for myself. <laughs> I will actually say climbing. I'm going to go with cycling. Yeah. I like road and mountain biking and then uh, football or football. So, you know, American or <sighs> the rest I'm of just, the world. I, I, I just don't care. I'm sorry. <laughs> and here's the grand irony. There are random sports stats stuck in my brain anyway that I pull out on random occasions at parties because, I don't know, I, those yes, conversations are the only thing yes. happening anymore. But, but I just don't care. I'm sorry. <laughs> Todd would like you to believe that he doesn't know anything about baseball, soccer, football, any of those. And then he'll come out with some random stat and shock everybody. I know. It and does then happen. you're right in the conversation. It does happen. You kind of screw yourself because then you're immersed in well, the conversation. I'll say, I'll say something just to watch the conversation, like do that stutter step beat. <laughs> and then I'll just smile and be like, yeah, that just happened. And then I let everybody go on. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for the questions. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, keep the car questions coming. The car debate can go to Everyday Driver TV at Gmail or the website. You can find us on the website. A lot of you are doing that. So thank yeah. you about that. And we've got a pilgrimage trip coming. We do. We do. We've got, uh, yes, this year's big trip is happening. It's going to be over Labor Day week. Uh, that is going to be first week of September this year. A little over half full. Some of you are signing up. Thank you. 
You can upgrade cars this year. You can get great track time, everydaydriver.com slash adventures for that stuff. We're also working on stuff to happen domestically so we can do some meetups and driving with you guys here in the U.S. But trust us, you want to do that ring and spa trip. We'd love to have you with us. Please also rate the podcast if you would. Tell a friend. A few of you have written us recently and said you've kind of stumbled on the podcast. I love reading these emails. You've stumbled on the podcast and discovered you are a car enthusiast. Welcome. We're thrilled to have you with us. Do us a favor and pass that on to somebody else that is like you that you think might like cars or might like this podcast. We'd love that. Please give us a rating. Give us a share. That helps. Until next time, everybody. Thanks again. Cheers. Cheers.